I was right in eighth grade, like end of eighth grade, I had been actually receiving some harassment over instant messenger, so over cyberbullying. And it was of this, like, he was a leader in the pack, but was also someone who I'd spent a lot of time with. And I lashed out at him. I was like, I'm done doing this. Welcome to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. I'm Petra Belzebor, and this is the place to discuss tips, tricks, and hacks to build your resilience through your worst rock bottoms and get you to a place of success. I'll be interviewing people from all walks of life, professionals, individuals who've been through their own adversity, and allow them to share their authentic and real life stories, opinions, and ideas about how to utilize our worst rock bottoms and allow them to catapult us into success. Welcome to the show. Welcome everyone to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Uh, today I'm very happy that we've got Randy Ginsberg all the way from New York and uh, his book, he has a book. I don't usually start by going and their book is called, um, <laughs> but in this case I feel like I must because his book title is Adversity to Advantage. So I'm like, we have got to speak, right? Um, yes. Anything to talk about rights of titles, but no, none of that. Um, <laughs> I'm curious about your, your story um, but first of all, tell us a little bit about the book and who you are, like what excites you every day? Yeah, definitely. So the book is titled Adversity to Advantage, How to Overcome Bullying to Find Entrepreneurial Success. And I've always loved entrepreneurship. It's what I studied in school. And growing up from a young age, I was always obsessed with um just creating my own opportunities and trying to make a little money, whether it was door to door snow shoveling or buying and selling snapples out of my locker at school. And I went on to uh, start my first business when I was younger in high school, buying and selling sneakers, which actually was motivated by my experiences with childhood bullying. And so the book was sort of an extension of that where I went and studied and researched a group of highly successful and diverse entrepreneurs all of whom were bullied in adolescence in an effort to uncover whether or not these experiences actually positively motivated them to pursue entrepreneurship and then overall just help them grow in a variety of different ways. So fascinating. So do you, do you think entrepreneurs are born or made then? Yeah, so it's interesting because that's actually how the um, motivation for the book came because you that's the golden question right everyone debates that i personally think that it's a mix of both that you could be born with um creativity you could be born with business acumen but all the things that happen along the way are the external environmental events that shape you that's really what drives you to go and pursue that um creative path and that path of entrepreneurship so i think for in that regard it's more um the nurture aspect of taking what's around you and how it shapes you and defines you. Yeah. And I think there's some kind of grit that you learn through adversity, right? That yeah, just, definitely. You get to practice. yeah, you get to practice more than maybe other people in driving yeah. yourself forward. But yeah. I recently attended a talk and I'm not mm -hmm. going to science you on this, but I recently attended a talk about how there is a resilience gene and how oh, some really? people, yeah. And I was like fascinated because I'm very much in that nurture camp. And then I was like, oh, well, some of us do have a baseline gene of more resilience, apparently. That I guess, I guess the magic triangle then is resilience gene 
uh, getting the shit kicked out of us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then going into entrepreneurship. The perfect storm. The perfect storm. Yay. Yay us, right? Um, so give us a little bit of context, Randy. Um, you, said, you said you were bullied when, when you were younger. I mean, yeah. before that, did you already, I don't know, was, did, was, it, was your dad in business or did you have role models around you that maybe modeled what entrepreneurship was like? Um, both my parents worked and my dad did work in business. Um, my mom was a research librarian, but neither of them um, had any entrepreneurial aspects, really. My dad had a couple of side hobbies of photography and would sell a bit of his photos, but that wasn't his main um, job. So the entrepreneurship thing, I think just, I don't really know exactly where it came from, but it started at a very young age, like I mentioned, and it was always something that I was super excited about. I was always um, very creative. I was always just trying to make something happen and do anything that I could to, um, yeah, to hustle. Exactly. So, but like I said, I was bullied starting from really fifth grade to up until, um, the middle of high school. So five or six years and growing up, I was very small, skinny, greasy hair, buck teeth, like any appearance trait that you could think of to potentially get made fun of for, I had it. So I took a brunt of a lot of bullying like that. What do you say? An easy target in a way. It's definitely an easy target. And and I didn't really stand up for myself. So it kind of kept coming and it was clear that it was affecting me physically and emotionally. I had a lot of um, anxiety. I was very anxious, very depressed, would avoid going to school, got frequent stomach aches and headaches, started to isolate myself. Because traditionally you think of bullying as the kid who sits alone at the lunch table and has no friends. And for me, that wasn't it at all. I actually had a lot of friends and I was involved in a ton of sports teams and extracurricular activities. I was always busy, but there were my friends, quote unquote friends, were also the ones who um, were relaying the bullying. And some of them that I were closer with, that I was closer with, um, they were there for it. And they might not necessarily have been the ones who were actually saying or doing verbal or physical things, but they were bystanders and they were afraid that if they spoke up, maybe the bullying would then be targeted to them. So they, at that young age, you don't really want to put yourself in the way of fire. If you're not the one getting the heat, you kind of just stay away from it and mind your own business. So it was a tough um, situation. But one of the things that I was also bullied in was I grew up in a fairly um, wealthy area and a lot of kids had means to get all the new sneakers and clothes. And um, my parents were definitely able to provide for me, but they had a very, they had a mindset of you work, you earn for what you work for. Um, and so if I wanted something, I needed to go work for it, which is also, I think, where a little bit of the entrepreneurial yeah. aspect came as if, if you want these new sneakers, if you want these new clothes, well, figure out how to get them. And I didn't, in a way, exactly. So not, it's not being handed to you. So you're like, if I, and then you've got that added, like, well, I'm being bullied for how I look and, you know, maybe what I'm wearing or the thing, you know. And yeah. so if I want to create change, you almost are, are driven or to take ownership of that somehow. Yeah, definitely. And so I'd always loved sneakers and I'd always loved fashion. And I had been at the time, now it's super popular, but at the time, probably 2010, um, buying and selling sneakers, this whole sneakerhead craze was really popping up, especially in um, the States. And so kids were buying and selling these collectible Nikes, Adidas, Asics, whatever it may be on um, Facebook and Instagram and all of these social media platforms that 
had just been popping up. And then there were these in-person trade conventions as well. And it was this whole community of people who loved um, sneakers and clothing. So I had been observing this for a little bit and I was like, all right, I have the idea. I'm going to join this and start buying and selling sneakers and I'll be able to make some money on the side. And I'll also be able to have all of the clothes, anything that I wanted to get, I'll be able to get it. So it started, I convinced my parents, I was like begging them for $150 to buy the first pair. They reluctantly agreed. And then I bought the first pair for $150, thought it would sell immediately. A few months later, I still had it. And then I was just like, where the damn thing is like, we shouldn't have given you this money. And then lo and behold, two months later, it finally sold for 220 bucks. And then with that, the $70 profit and the 220, I bought two more pair and then traded one for another two and just it gradually snowballed until I had around $1,000. And from there, I was able to start buying pairs in bulk. So like anything that you buy in bulk, the more you buy, the cheaper you get. Mm. And so I started to do this and then flip those and it just continued to snowball and snowball until I was making like a couple of thousand dollars a month. And um, got all the sneakers I had wanted. I was able to afford the clothes I wanted. And just running that business, I went from being the kid who I felt was defined by my bullying to now the sneakers and fashion kid. You know, I had wait, more. Wait, was, was any of this happening in parallel? Like, yeah, or- it was all, it was all happening in parallel. So that's a really fascinating thing to notice because as you said, people have an idea of the kid who's being bullied, right? Who's mm-hmm. like the, the loner out and the, you know, with no friends or whatever. Um, and it just highlights that sometimes those of us who have struggles going on, the outside might be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm hustling. I'm pushing. And we could use that as a mask sometimes to cover yeah. all sorts of other things, right? Yeah, definitely. It was, it was a mask, but at the same time, it was also an escape. It was kind of a two-way street because for me, I felt like I was um, invested in something that had deeper meaning. It gave me purpose. I enjoyed it. When I was focusing on that, my mind wasn't on all of the hardship that I was going through. And um, that also really, it taught me a lot and it kind of birthed my love for business entrepreneurship. And then from there, I started to get more involved in fashion and took some courses at the Fashion Institute of Technology and then started making my own clothes and would buy and sell them at school. And it was just really snowballed into something that went from an interest and this little risk I took in a side hustle to something that consumed um, my entire life and identity at that point and by able by being able to start that business and reinvent myself that's what gave me the confidence to then stand up for myself and um overcome the bullying so they were really intertwined wow so i'm um, i was thinking of confidence the whole time like if ever there was an escape that was maybe beneficial in a way um Mm -hmm. because my my escape was alcohol addiction i didn't really make a lot of money out of that and it wasn't (laughs) (laughs) um but when i quit drinking i then channeled all of that sort of built up emotion and rage and like stuff into building my own business as well whether it was side hustle or or sort of full-time so i get that kind of channeling it and then Mm -hmm. the knock-on effect that you hadn't really planned for was now that you you've got this confidence and you 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 start standing up to to the bullies but yeah. before we go there, because I'm curious about what that looks like, um, what was the lowest point for you? Because you're, 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 you're building something, but equally, I know what emotional distress looks like, especially when you're hiding a lot of it, where you feel mm-hmm. friendships, friends are betraying you in a way by not kind of supporting you. I mean, how low did it get for you? 
Yeah, I mean, the lowest point was really I, I would avoid leaving the house for anything. I was afraid to socialize with people, severe anxiety, my grades were falling, my every, every part of my life was affected. And the worst part was I was an only child and I lived, of course, with both my parents, but I never told them a thing. So they had no idea. So mm -hmm. everything with the exception of one or two people who I um, had confided in, but they still, they didn't know the full, the full uh, depth of it. It was all built up inside. So that was really um, the hardest part for me. Yeah. The, 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 the fear and the shame and the... the exactly. The I was embarrassed to tell any adult, any parent, so I kept it all inside. And when you harbor that all up, it makes matters even worse. So and that was lowest. teachers didn't notice or... What'd you say? Teachers didn't notice what was going not, on? Not really. I went to a, a couple of the guidance counselors at my school and they brought a couple kids in and it was more of just like a slap on the wrist. You know, like there was no actual action taken, no prevention, no intervention um they didn't do a great job of handling no and and um when we talk about bullying that can mean so many things as well mm -hmm. right so i'm yeah, curious it's not not to go you know look look after yourself you don't need to go fully into the story but i'm curious if it was kind of physical abuse or uh mental emotional like what what kind of angle was it taking for you yeah definitely um it was a lot of verbal um a lot of verbal mental but at the same time there were a couple physical um instances i did have rocks thrown at me once that was probably the most um, like pretty sizable stones um that was probably the most physical aspect of it but an interesting stat that i talked about in the book is the cdc as of 2016 recently came out with their um formal definition for bullying because it actually never had a actual definition it was just what people would think maybe someone being mean to each other you never really knew how to categorize it and what they came out was that their bullying requires two criteria in order to be considered bullying in the eyes of the cdc a power imbalance so a struggle of like authority where it might be a teacher or a parent or someone older yeah. um, and then repetition so it needs to continue is how they define bullying but the problem with that is that in instances like myself and so many other people, there was no real power imbalance because it came, you know, it was still friends. It was people who I felt like I was on an equal playing field with. There was no age difference. There was no positional power difference. Um, so in theory, my case would never be classified by the CDC as actual bullying, which is why there's all these statistics are skewed because there are so many other kids who are going through this. Yeah. When you speak to a kid or even adult and you say, what's bullying? They'll say, it's when someone's mean to each other. You know, like everyone has their own definition, but it's very streamlined, basic, surface level. Um, so all of these people who would say that, who might've experienced it, but don't necessarily categorize it with a power imbalance or acts of repetition, um, they don't get reported in the statistics. So I thought that that was very interesting yeah. as well. And then, um uh, was there online bullying as well? I know you said yeah. Yeah, in the early stages. Yeah, a lot, of, was lot of online bullying, which now I think is some of the toughest stuff for a kid. Like I couldn't even, I grew up with Instagram came out when I was at my tail end of high school. Okay. Now, if, I, if Instagram was in middle school or Snapchat was in middle school, I can't even imagine the effects that it would have had on me other kids you know because i got bullied but there i'm sure there were kids in my school who got it worse i'm not like saying i got it the worst ever and i'm sure there's people who got it ten thousand times um worse than i did and i just can't imagine how having that social media so ubiquitous and everywhere 
and just growing up with it really affects you uh, mentally. Yeah, and it's and it's uh, a relentless chipping away at mm-hmm. confidence, self worth, all of these things, especially if you're holding it in and you're not actually kind of uh, fact checking in a way mm-hmm. um, what yeah. people are saying. And and that is an age when you're just vulnerable and open to oh, that's you know I want to fit in, I want to belong, and that's what people think of me. Exactly, and with social media, the validation of likes, and when you're when you're at that age and you haven't fully developed that idea of validation and who you should seek it from and you you want to feel acceptance into your peer groups and the fact that likes are used as that token and yet they're so not that they're so skewed um it's really powerful it really is powerful and it's affecting so many people's uh, mental health at the moment um, yeah. absolutely so you you get to this point there's these parallel roads your um confidence is growing because you're like i'm making some dollar now right um yeah. and how do you start um, maybe standing up to your bullies or not letting it affect you anymore? What, what shifted? Yeah, so the first time that I ever stood up for myself actually came right before I started the business. So I, that was like where, that was right in eighth grade, like end of eighth grade, I had been actually receiving some harassment over instant messenger, so over cyberbullying. And it was of this like, he was a leader in the pack, but it was also someone who I'd spent a lot of time with. And I lashed out at him. I was like, I'm done doing this. I'm done following you around. Like really just like for the first time ever set my ground. And to my surprise, his response, instead of being like, go away or screw you was, I'm proud of you. You should have done this a long time ago. And I was like caught for a loop. Like I had no idea how to react. And then the premise of our conversation after was like, should have done this a long time ago. I'm going to make sure that no one else messes with you. And then from those next few days, he actually stood by his word. And if they were, cause Pete, he had a strong voice within mm. other kids. And um, if someone messed with me, he would intervene. And it slowly, that was the first step of it. And then me still getting my own confidence back came from the business. And so when I would then get bullied for, um, appearance or I would get bullied for wearing because I was super into fashion so I would wear some things that were pretty unconventional and people would of course make comments and it just went from me using to used to be caring so much that I would go and change for them to just saying um, having the confidence because I was um, doing something for myself I was invested in something with a purpose I was um, making money and I was just it didn't phase me anymore and I just said all right I'm going to do me and the more and more that I did that and I showed that it didn't affect me, they started losing interest. Because if you show that it doesn't affect you, um, they don't get the same enjoyment out of it. The whole enjoyment for them, for whatever reason, is seeing you be upset. So if you're able to, whether you do feel it or not, if you're able to portray that confidence outward, um, that was pretty strong for me as well. That really helped me. And so I'm also struck by the contrast between the kid in his room running his business, who's not telling anyone and is sort of mm-hmm. suffering in silence to one who has a book out, who's um, ended up researching kind of the links between bullying and um, entrepreneurship. And you've been on a quest in a way to understand, is that mm-hmm. catalyst? Like, can we actually be grateful in a way yeah. for those experiences to move us forward? Talk me through that middle bit, because I'm always curious about like, how the hell does somebody take those steps to then go completely open and be on a public platform podcast and all the rest of it? Yeah, definitely. So 
the like I said, I hadn't told my parents at all. The first time that I actually told them was the end of my senior year of high school. I was in this program called Life School, which is an acronym for learning independently from experience. So for my senior year, it was a school within my school, but every there was like 20 kids per grade. Everyone was super tight knit. There were no tests. It was all projects and public speaking, which I had been terrified of public speaking because right. I hated attention. I hated everything that came with it. And then that year, I actually went to learn that I liked public speaking. And with the confidence and everything that came along with it, um, found that I actually preferred that better than test taking and all these different things I learned about myself in this last year. So part of that um, program was that at the end of the year, you would write a 20 minute speech about your life and how the program had affected you. And then you would present it to teachers, family, friends, whoever you wanted to invite. So I wrote this 20 minute speech that was kind of this tell all about everything that I'd gone through, through my entire school years and presented it to my friends, my family and my teachers all of whom, aside from the teachers, was the first time that they were hearing it. So definitely probably wasn't the best way to just break this to my parents in front of like 30 other people, but I did. And that was um, the first time that anyone really heard about it. And that speech actually served as the beginning basis of the personal section of my book. So it kind of came um, full circle in a bit. And how scared were you? How scared were you? So not only are you public speaking, which you're just getting, you realize you, you like it, but you still, you, you know, mm-hmm. your early days, now you're more of a public speaker, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and you know your parents are in the audience, and you know you're telling this deep kind of personal thing. Like, yeah. I, mean, I was, I was definitely terrified because I wouldn't have had, no other time in my life would I have had the confidence to go and do that. That was definitely the most confident point I had been in my life up until that point. But still, I was terrified. I had no idea how to react my parents were visibly distraught and confused and yeah so it was really an emotional and confusing time from not even just in that moment but then the following months after because they felt so upset that they missed these signs you know if you are your parent especially of an only child and your son tells you that I was depressed and anxious and going through all this and you had no clue the entire time um that was all sorts of things yeah exactly so that was really tough and just the reason i asked that is because i want our listeners to understand that sometimes you just have to do it afraid you know sometimes by stepping out of your comfort zone you know imagine if i had never done that then i never told anyone still kept it in one from an emotional aspect the confidence and just everything else still would not have been there Two, the book probably would have never even been a thought yeah. in my yeah. mind. But so that was the end of high school. And then I went on to a university. I studied at Syracuse University, where I studied entrepreneurship and marketing. And I recently graduated last May. But throughout those four years, it was still, you know, a work in progress. And it's still it still is some of the things that I learned with bullying is that you interview and you um, study some of the most famous entrepreneurs in the world. And still to this day, for example, Tom Ford, he says that if a group of eight-year-olds kicked a soccer ball his way, that he would still bubble up with anxiety and fear and be terrified. And he's one of the most famous, well-known people in the world. And still, if a group of eight-year-olds approached him, all of the emotion and fear and memory that comes from his experiences with bullying still stay with him. So for me, I feel the same way. You know, I'm 
I'm definitely more confident. Um, a lot of the anxiety has subsided, but there's always those lingering effects that do um, come back. And even when I'm public speaking or just interacting with people on a daily basis, there are um, yeah fear of judgment, effects. fear of rejection. Yeah, None then, of that ever goes away completely. Right, but you just keep moving forward. As yeah, a, you got it. And then you've also we I guess have a bit we, we entrepreneurs have a bit of a chip on our shoulder sometimes. Yeah. Right. So there's like, so I didn't go to school as a kid because mm -hmm. I was raised in a religious cult. And then um, I ended up with a chip on my shoulder, you know, trying to yeah. prove people wrong that I mattered in the world and that I could achieve and all these sorts of things. And it drove me to like night school, get my master's degree, do all these things and then keep going. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what that's exactly what I have as far as what I feel I have as far as work ethic and the entrepreneurial um, aspect and the drive. And that was actually something that I initially was curious about when I went to go start my research. And so one of the like founding blocks of my research, one of the first studies that I found that propelled me to go on and continue with the book came from a woman, a doctor named Ellen Delara. And she happened to actually be a professor at Syracuse University where I studied. And she, in addition to being a professor, she's a researcher, psychologist, and an author of this book called Bullying Scars. And it examines um, the whole life cycle of bullying and the traumatic, post-traumatic effects after in adulthood. And one of her chapters was called, uh, was about the positives. And so she did a study on her own of 900 adults aged 18 to 65 um, from all walks of life, all backgrounds, and all occupations. So there were some entrepreneurs, but there were also doctors, lawyers, service workers, the whole, the whole spectrum. And what she found was that 47% of these people, so almost 50% of the respondents, reported that the bullying actually had a positive effect on their lives, which was crazy to me because conventionally you think of bullying to be this terrible thing that ruins lives and no one can ever come back from but now 50% of these people are saying that it actually helped them grow in both their personal and professional lives. So within that 50%, they then broke down some of the criteria and how it helped them. So the most amount of people, I think it was like 14% of the 47 um, reported more resilience and independence and confidence, which is of course crucial in entrepreneurship. You get a hundred thousand no's before you get a yes yep. and there's so much ambiguity and uncertainty and financial instability that you need to keep going um then they also reported that it helped their moral development so not wanting to treat people how they had been treated and their emotional intelligence in terms of sympathy and empathy and just being able to connect with people on a more humanistic level because of what they um, had previously gone through. And then the last one that a bunch of people reported was goal attainment. So having this chip on your shoulder, um, this desire to prove yourself and this grit. And so all of these things, which were such massive parts of that they derived from their bullying were actually so essential for entrepreneurship. And so once I had this study, I kind of knew what to look for a bit in these entrepreneurs who I um, researched and interviewed. And what I found is by doing all this research and speaking to all of these different people, every single one of those checked out in all of their stories. Really? And, okay. and some more stuff, but yeah. the resilience, the emotional intelligence, which was a huge aspect because entrepreneurship is such a social profession. So you're required to build teams. You're required to interact with people on a daily basis, hire people, fire people. Yeah, relationships. Yeah. And 
by going through not just bullying, but any type of adversity, whatever it may be, you develop this crucial aspect of emotional intelligence that has actually served entrepreneurs specifically. Um, it's like a superpower. So yeah. I found that to be really interesting as well. So I'm, I'm going to read a quote from your book that I just took, took from your website because um, sure. I love it. And then I'll ask a question. So what you say is the best way to overcome the lingering effects of bullying is to harness the raw emotion. So harness that, or, mm -hmm. you know, rage or something um, and use it as fuel to motivate you. So yep. literally as the energy that can push you forward. So yep. this is what I'm curious about. Is there any downside to this kind of using it as fuel? And, and I'm coming from the perspective of, you know, burnout, of working with people in, in startups who maybe aren't looking after their, their, their social, emotional, mental health because mm -hmm. they're so like obsessed with fueling, you know, whatever the, the chip on their shoulder is. And so I'm curious what you think. Is there a downside? Can there be a downside? How do we evolve within this? Yeah, so I think that's um, two parts to that because one, you don't want, when you're doing any profession, but specifically entrepreneurship, you, you want to have that chip on your shoulder and you want to use that fuel, but at the same time, up to a certain point, you don't want to be doing it for them. You know, you don't want to be doing something just to prove other people wrong. You want to be doing it because you enjoy it and because it means a lot to you. And the second part of that is, yes, mental health especially in entrepreneurship is such a um important topic and i talk about it in the book um just the dark side of entrepreneurship because yeah. some people confuse their self-worth with the success of the company absolutely so you need to learn the balance of of course you might be putting in 80 hour weeks but at the same time if the business ultimately ends up failing you are not a failure and that's what some people have trouble separating themselves from their business, which I think is a really important part because you have all of this grit and motivation and fuel and that you've harnessed and built up, but you need to be able to deploy it in the right way um, without physically and mentally hurting yourself because in order for your business to succeed to its highest point, you need to be your healthiest. Yes. So that's what um, I think people have a bit of trouble with as well but there's a study in the book and i don't remember the exact statistics but entrepreneurs in general are significantly more likely to have depression anxiety ADHD, and ultimately commit suicide so going into that you already have um these notions and these predetermined things where statistics have shown that we're already more likely to feel these ways and then you're adding on all of the stress and ambiguity and everything else that comes with entrepreneurship. So taking care of your mental health and physical health is really um, important, especially for that career path. And I talk a bit about more in the book, just how important working out is and um, some entrepreneurs use mindfulness and meditation and then yeah. just therapy and all the different ways that you can um, keep yourself sharp and ultimately your business sharp as well. Yeah, because there's that full circle, right? It keeps your business sharp if you are kept sharp and yeah, to, exactly. to handle the, some of the knocks. Now, you studied entrepreneurship. That, that's not a yeah. very mainstream. I mean, I guess it's getting more popular, but I was like, oh, must look into this if there's one of those out there. Um, yeah. Did they touch on any of that well-being stuff within that entrepreneurship? Um, they don't know. No, they really don't touch on the well-being aspect, but they do 
touch on thinking. So using your right brain thinking and your creative thinking versus left brain and the different ways. Like I took a course on um, creativity and imagination. And so it was just training your mind to start to think because we're, we are wired to normally think so analytically. And now in the world of data, everything is data driven, but it's still important to employ that right brain creative thinking. So um, some of the courses did touch on that, but they never really focused on the uh, emotional aspect. I guess that's a, a little bit about balance, isn't it? Um, yeah. you, you mentioned suicide and a lot of that is, you know, what you were doing in your early days, which is holding mm -hmm. on to everything. And when yeah. you hold on to everything, you, it often feels bigger than it is because you think you're the only one in the world dealing with that thing. Right. And yeah, so definitely. I think there needs to be more conversations about not only the challenges in the entrepreneurship, but, uh, space, but just talking, especially for men, like the suicide rates higher for men. I think entrepreneurship is fueled by mostly men as well. Not yeah. like we're, we're redressing the balance, but um, mm -hmm. the, right? there's something just about talking. I mean, like, I'm curious about what you do in your life personally to yeah. kind of look after yourself. Definitely. Well, I have found that, like you said, speaking with people um, is great. So therapy is a really powerful way to just get feelings off your chest. But for entrepreneurs specifically and some people who are more successful startup founders that I've spoken with, it's such a specific career path that only the people who are involved in it really can fully understand the sacrifices that are needed and what's going on. So a lot of these networks are popping up of just entrepreneurs connecting with themselves. And initially you go to a networking event and you give your small talk and what do you do? But now these networks are popping up where it's more of a support system and you're sharing the issues and the troubles that you're going on in your business, but also on in your own personal mental lives. And by having someone who's actually going through the same type of um, struggle and stress from an entrepreneurial standpoint, that's almost better than a therapist or better than just venting to um, your best friend because they actually know what's going on and they can relate to it and they can empathize with it. So I think for me, finding the people who whether they're running their own business or they're musical artists or creative directors, but they have that sort of self-starter creative attitude and they're making things happen for themselves and then going and speaking to them. I find that really um, powerful for me as well on top of the, just like working out and trying to get yeah. healthy and things like that. Yeah. All of that helps create balance. But I know mm -hmm. if you, if you ask for advice or you want to have a rant to a civilian as it were, right. They'll, yeah. they'll be like, well, just stop working. Just yeah, stop. exactly. Like, <laughs> take a break. Yeah, take a break. Just stop. And you're like, you don't understand. This is my yeah. life, you know? Well, when you're working a nine to five or just even for someone else, there's a different, you might love your job and you might be really devoted to it, but entrepreneurship is such an obsession. Um, and it's controlling that obsession to not letting it reach an unhealthy peak, but still bordering where, you know, you can make things happen. So it's, it's hard to find that balance. But once you do, I think that's really a secret weapon for a lot of super successful people. But then the tricky thing is you find the balance and then you're, it changes again because your, yeah. your work something changes or something comes up, right? And you're like, I got yeah. perfect balance. And then you're like, oh God, now we got investment or now we've got to do this next level stuff. Exactly. Uh, it can be pretty tricky. Um, I, I'm going to just shamelessly plug another uh, podcast that I host. 
um, sure. which I can do on my own podcast, can't I? Yeah, so yes, thanks again. Um, but I think it's relevant to the audience that will be listening to this within entrepreneurship and the startup mm-hmm. space. So I hosted a Spotify original podcast called Killing It, Adventures in Startups and Mental Health. So oh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, so six episodes, and we're interviewing founders and CEOs and, and people who've built up big businesses about their mental health in a really open, conversational way. So if you're interested in more about that mental health aspect, then please do look up that podcast. Um, I'd love to know what you're up to now. So, so we, we sort of ended in, the, in that kind of high school building the sneaker business, but what's going on for you now? And of course, where can people get the book? Yeah, definitely. So right now, um, the book came out July 27th. So it's been out a few months um, working on a bit of personal coaching. So in the book, I offer this framework called the Invent Framework. And I basically took all the stories and interviews and research that I've did and combined it into this framework that people can um, apply to their own lives, whether it's doing bullying or just any type of other adversity. So the I is establish identity, just what it sounds like, figuring out who you, what you stand for, who you stand for, what kind of confidence and um, positivity you want to put out into the world. And then... The N is develop your nerve. So being comfortable with pain. Um, Elon Musk said, Elon Musk said that if he had one recommendation to anyone who was going to start a business, it would be to build a high pain tolerance. And so going through adversity, like I said, whether bullying or any other type, just learning how to deal with hardship and um, take it in stride and go to do whatever you continue to do. So almost then, embrace it. When yeah, that exactly. at you, you'd be like, bring it. This is like making me exactly. the man I need to be. Mm-hmm. Lovely. And then the V is visualize your goals. So that talks about the law of attraction and manifestation, vision boarding, and how entrepreneurship, you could have the best idea in the world, but if you don't execute it properly, then it's, it's nothing. So visualize your goals. Then the E is engage with others. And that touches on all the emotional intelligence aspects that comes with that you would develop from going through adversity and how that translates to hiring, firing, negotiation, team building. Um, the N is embrace the now. And that focuses on our current state of technology in society and how all of the tools we have at our disposal, whether podcasting, blogging, streaming, um, how you're able to communicate your message and use it to grow your business. And then the T is uh, homage to, I don't know if you've read the book, The Third Door by Alex Benan. Have you? I think I have a while ago. It's not, it's an older book, isn't it? Uh, it came out like two or three years ago. Um, but he's the youngest national, he's the youngest national bestseller ever. And his book, basically, he spent seven years going to research, trying to find and interview some of the world's most successful people on how they started their business. And so he got to interview um, Bill Gates and Sugar Ray Leonard, Jessica Alba, some real, Steven Spielberg, all of these really um, famous titans in their field. And he has this framework called the third door that he says life is like a nightclub. So the first door is the general admission door and everyone waits online and you wait your turn, you wait three hours to get in. Um, Or you have the VIP entrance where the people, the celebrities, the influencers, the people who are born born into money get right in. 
Or you have the third door, which is the unconventional door where you sneak around the back, you hop the fence, you climb in through the back window, and you do whatever it takes to get that opportunity and get your foot in the door. So what he found is that all of these super successful people had a version of their third door moment where they needed to take a crazy risk or do something super um, unconventional and daring to get their foot in the door and make something happen. So that last chapter talks about how you can build the confidence and the tools necessary to go and take that risk and jump into the world of entrepreneurship and have your own third door moment. So that framework is something now that I work to pass on through speaking gigs and then also um, a bit of personal coaching, which is going to start in January. And then other than that, I've always said my dream when people asked when I was 10 years old, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a CEO. They say, what type of company? I say, I don't know. I just want to start a business. So the ultimate goal um, one day is just, you know, start my own company. Still don't know exactly what field it may be, but right now we're just doing the book stuff and seeing Exciting. And so what's your website? Where can people find the book? Yep. So website, um, you could find me and order the book at randymginsberg.com. You could also go on Amazon and search the title Adversity to Advantage, How to Find or How to Overcome Bullying and Find Entrepreneurial Success or just search my name, Randy Ginsberg. And then I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, Randy Ginsberg. Yeah, you can find me there. And I love connecting with people, love hearing any feedback you have about podcasts or books. And of course, if you want me to speak, I'm there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We'll put all of that into the show notes. Now, would you say that you've had your third door moment? I think I've had some, but I don't think I've had a defining one that's necessarily shaped my um, trajectory. Yeah, yeah. But I would say... That being said, I think I'm ready for one. (laughs) He's ready for a third, but... But equally, I'm, I'm hearing that almost as a mini third door moment was you standing on that stage with your parents in the audience, just yes. taking that big leap, right? Yeah, that's definitely. That's kind of led one. to this trajectory of yep, being exactly. open and connecting to people. Mm-hmm. How about you? You think you've had one? I'm a little bit older than you, so <laughs> I think I've had a, bit, a few, yes. <laughs> I've had yeah. quite a few. Um, not just like for, to the theme of your book, the adversities have sometimes been the third door moments. Because yeah. I wouldn't have made that, that career shift or made these different choices had I not had been punched in the face by life, you know? Yeah, so sometimes definitely. those have been um, uh, sort of third door moments. And also there was one that led me into doing business for myself. I was working at a company. I met this guy who was really good at business, had, had built businesses, sold them, all this stuff. And mm-hmm. I thought, I know what I'm passionate about, but this guy knows about business. So we discussed partnering. And I was like, he will be my other half, so to speak, as far as the puzzle piece of, of knowledge and whatever. He basically filled the void in my confidence. Yeah, right? I was like, together, we could do this. So I quit my job and I had just gotten divorced and I had two kids and a mortgage. And I was just like, I'm going to quit my job fully. Yeah. All right. That's a, <laughs> sounds yeah. like a clear door moment. So I quit my job. And then within three, four weeks, it just fell apart with this business partner. And I just thought, this is not the person that's going to allow me to be my best self. And so suddenly I'm like, like looking around going, I just quit my job. <laughs> I don't know anything about business. What the fuck do I know? I know I've mouths to feed, you know, yeah. um, but, but, uh, but I had too much pride to go back to my boss and I knew that our values weren't aligned. So yeah. from that point on, I fucking had to build it, you know, yeah, good for you. Which, which I've been doing and it's been pretty momentous up until now. 
Yeah, I'm sure. That's an awesome story. Congrats. So once you have your next third door moment, please do circle back. And yes, I definitely will. Come back on the podcast. Randy, thank you so much for your time. And we'll uh, definitely point people to the, to the book. We appreciate it so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. I had a great time. Thanks for listening to the Adversity to Advantage podcast. Please do subscribe and review on iTunes. Every comment makes a difference. We really appreciate hearing from you. And please do get in touch through petrabelzebor.com if you're interested in any training, coaching, therapy, or just to join the community and get more information on ways that you can build your own resilience. Until next time.